Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, Mike. We agreed after the loss to Dallas last week that three points over this, this weekend would be a failure. Three points. Three out of four would be a failure. So how then... Would you describe taking two points from two games against the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators? A super failure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The okay. a failure that is on the next level of failure to just a failure. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna take a page out of Sheldon Keefe's post game presser. Okay. And go with embarrassment. These like there's a reason why we said this should be a four point weekend because these are two very bad teams. Now there is you know the back to back nonsense and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but it wasn't just that they failed to deliver against the Sabers tonight. Obviously four two five two rather losers to the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, I lost track too. Uh, yeah, I mean you stopped paying attention at some point, but it wasn't very good against the Senators either. They won 4-2. I guess that's where my mind was headed. Uh, but for large stretches of that game, they were outplayed. And for large stretches and probably almost the entirety of this game, they were pretty soundly outplayed. So all told, it's two points. It's not three. Uh, but it seems worse than two points. It is with a heavy heart that I say that tonight's Live Laugh Lease will be going on as planned. Um, we we are doing one for this game. No, it's this was, this was a, a v- right from the get-go a horrible game. Like it was they didn't look prepared to play at all and yes, we're going to get into, you know, the the back-to-back and the injuries and and everything and and that's all well and good, but at what point do we stop making excuses for this team? At what point? Sometimes something tells me that runtime will not be an issue in today's episode. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> let's let's get right to your takeaway then as to try to avoid rambling too yeah. long about what was a pretty horrific outing. 
um, the Leafs have struggled to prevent certain setbacks, as in like a a goal from snowballing. I a think goal against a goal against they. Uh, yeah, this has been this team is is it very. I don't want to say fragile. Like I think that they are a strong. They can be a strong team when they want to. But there have been a lot of uh, sequences this season where they will let in a, a goal. It won't be the greatest goal, and then there will be like two from the team for uh, from the opposing team, like in the next a minute and a half right after. And it just be it just takes a problem that is a that is already a problem and just expands it and it, and it kind of puts the dagger in the heart and they just lose their way right after. It's a lot of what Garrett Sparks was like, to be honest. Like that's what that was the biggest thing with him, where he would uh, he would let in a goal look really sad and then another two would have would go right by him right away and it's like well there goes Sparks's night and this is happening a lot with the Leafs it happened tonight where they had the three goals in minute 31 um and they were all very poor goals they were it was more like uh, the Sabres turn into Harlem Globetrotter kind of stuff and it was just you never want to see the Buffalo Sabres kind of dunk on you they you know they're so bad that literally they had a fan become famous for getting mad about them this was this should have been a a I know it's on the second half of back-to-back but you have Frederick Anderson in net he played pretty well, but we'll get into that. It should have been two points. It wasn't, and that is a disappointment any way you cut it. To me, it's Dwayne, by the way, over Dark Guy in all cases. Oh, everyone over Dark Guy. Everyone over Dark Guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we'd have to get someone to sort of look at the numbers of how many times the Leafs have had one goal against, you know, be followed up by another or another mm-hmm. really quickly. Uh, I'm sure we could dig into that a little bit later, but you're right. I mean, it does seem to be a recurring issue where things just fold really quickly on them and it was three goals against in 91 seconds as you mentioned uh and all three goals you could clearly identify what went what went wrong like just it was like an over anxiousness a lapse in judgment it was mitch marner then it was rasmus sandy and then it was zach hyman it was just three plays that should never have happened three mistakes that should never have happened and when you put them all together it's game over in 91 seconds and even on that sand and goal like it was yes he he got beat very cleanly by Kyle pozo and and that that was a fantastic play, but it was Kerfoot along the boards who failed to get it out, and it was or who failed to sorry corral the puck at the point. It's this was just a every single goal there was there was a main perpetrator to it, but there were a lot of supporting players. There were a lot of accomplices to all these crimes, and it was it, it like Sheldon Keefe said that he hasn't in the post game uh, in his post game presser he he hasn't seen them be this bad um, under his tenure, and I, I would agree this was a, this was a very bad game. It. Yeah, there's a reason why we said super disappointment. I would say it's it's even more than that. This was this was horrible. It was a complete structural failure. Definitely the worst game I think under Keefe. Probably the worst game all season long from mm-hmm. territorial possession standpoint. It was an absolute bloodbath in the first two periods. There was five minutes of you know five good minutes as I put it uh, for the Maple Leafs where they pushed back and actually tied the game that they didn't belong in uh, at all. And then right after that, it was that 91 seconds from hell where three mistakes led to three goals for the Buffalo Sabres. My takeaway from this game is can we just have a 72-game schedule? I I'm mean, with you. I am really sick of considering the physiological impact of, you know, stress on the body when trying to evaluate games. Like, I just don't want to talk about, oh, but you know what? It was the second night of a back-to-back, so we got to kind of – we got to at least consider that when – looking at their performance which was another poor performance on the second night of a back-to-back yes that uh, we, i like i understand why they're at a disadvantage of here but let's take the disadvantage of out let's have 72 really good games instead of 82 games which 10 to 15 of which 
are just a team that is already coming in disadvantaged or both teams disadvantaged because we're trying to jam so many games into the schedule to accommodate bye weeks and you know the start and finish that the NHL and the NHLPA wants it's just ridiculous that we have to continue to come into games where one team is clearly at a disadvantage like the Buffalo Sabres didn't play since Thursday yeah they the, seem fu- and they looked like if this it. was if this was two equal teams you should know who's going to win mm-hmm. the, the difference is these shouldn't it shouldn't have been two equal teams and how much that playing last night and traveling affected the Leafs was going to tell the outcome of the game it shouldn't be like that it's probably I'm building an excuse for the Maple Leafs which I shouldn't but I'm just tired of talking about Oh, it was the second night of a back-to-back. I think this was, yeah, like it's not necessarily making an excuse for them tonight. It's a bigger issue. Like the NHL, the whole point of having a a, a sports league is to put the best product you possibly can on the ice every night. And if you're putting a team who has played three times in the last four nights, who is coming off on the second half of back-to-back on the road, yes, it's not very far, and we're going to get into the excuses, or there should be a lack of them. Um, but this is not, you can't look at tonight's contest and think this is the best product the NHL could have put out there. Like this is like, these are two big markets in terms of TV ratings. Like Buffalo's all, always one of the biggest local markets out there. They always, even for even, even when they're watching hockey, that's not Sabres hockey. They, they still top the, the local ratings. How can this possibly be a good thing for the game? If, if you're, and this does, this extends far past the Leafs. I know it sounds like it's just the Leafs thing because we're a Leafs podcast, but I'm hundred. I'm I am on the 72 game schedule bandwagon 100. This was if it if it means that we don't have to sit through games like this anymore. Yeah, sign me up. I will I will formally endorse you for the president of making this happen. So now we got to try and judge how much here we go. It cost them tonight. Like how much Everything. did it factor, or was you know obviously there's built in injuries. There's the illness that's been going through the locker room. Uh, we kind of have. We can't just, you know, put a percentage on these factors. We have to look at it as a whole. And as a whole, they got thoroughly dominated by the Buffalo Sabres, who have won three in a row now. I guess they're in good form, but they haven't been in good form all year. Dwayne knows they haven't been in good form all year. So this was a certainly a missed opportunity. And what it was was a complete domination uh, by the Buffalo Sabres. Look getting the Leafs having an illness go through them is a lot different than us. You or I having an illness go through them. Okay. Like I, you know, I, I like to run a lot and the, and a couple weeks ago I busted my Achilles and it's literally just healed now. And this was like three, it took three weeks for this to happen. The wait, Le- wait, 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 Achilles like they're important year long. No, 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 I didn't tear my Achilles. I just like strained it and it was going to take two to four weeks. It just healed. The Leafs okay. on the other hand, let's say Austin Matthews strains his Achilles. It does not take him three weeks for that to heal because my idea of healing was living my life normally and just occasionally icing it and elevating it and not running. Him is like, he's he's got those compression pads that he's on, that are, you know, those boots or the pants or whatever, the compression ones that sort of help him, you know, uh, get going. He's got like hydration experts. Well, what he, ha- it he has is the, you know, the premier sports science exactly. staff. So, the premier sports science staff that apparently can't get these guys to even a functional level on the second night of a back-to-back. That's what I'm saying. Like, I understand that there's an illness going around. And the biggest thing, so I tweeted out like, what is going on tonight? Basically, a very simple thing. And everyone's like, oh, have you ever tried to play hockey, you know, right after you have the flu? And I'm like, cool. Their kind of flu is not our kind of flu. Because we don't have people who are like, whose job it is to make sure that we're hydrated. 
whose job it is to make sure we're new like we, we have the proper nutrition it's a different it's different it's a different playing field so you don't have someone like monitoring your hydration levels at all times and it can administer an iv whenever needed whenever you need to I go mean, out on that run i mean <laughs> i mean like my mom will text me occasionally to be like drink some water but that's about it they're like that's not her job they we, you they probably have a like a guy whose business cards say hydration expert or hydration director. Yes, it's it's a different thing. So when it comes to excuses, yes, it sucks that they're playing a lot of games and a lot of nights. It sucks that they that they have had de- they're they're dealing with the flu. It sucks that some of these guys are you know like in Tavares's case, a new father and his sleep schedule is all messed. But at the same time, this is happening all over the league. It is not happening in just Toronto, and this is where the center of the universe kind of ism plays a bit of a part in 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 the Leafs kind of breaking this down is that this is you cannot look at these excuses in the bubble of mortal men they're not they have the the apparatuses they have the resources they have the systems behind them to ensure that they're healthy to strive that they're healthy especially the Leafs more so than any other team this was like I don't know the Columbus Blue Jackets I don't know anything about their their health stuff, but I'm just saying like a, a random team. Then maybe we can be like, okay, we don't know a lot, but we know the Leafs have the most like high cutting edge sports science division that they have possible. So when it comes and and they have that for the main purpose of cutting down the excuses that we're giving them. This was a bad game. They didn't play good hockey tonight. I don't care how many guys are banged up. I don't care how many guys are sick or th- who are, who are feeling a little under the weather. Everyone's feeling under the weather right now. Suck it up and you play hockey. That's your job. Good news is there's only two more chances for us to have to go through this conversation where we just don't know how much it really affected them because there's only two more back-to-backs built in the schedule. I'm not sure exactly how many there were. I think it was like 13 or 14, uh, but we're almost at the finish line. doesn't really help that much that the Leafs have a game every other night through the rest of the month, it seems like, and are going to be busy and are going to be dealing with injury and you're going to have tax legs and are probably going to be using it or some people are going to be using it as a, as an excuse down the stretch run when things don't go well. It's cuz it's easy. It is easy. And it shouldn't and it seemed easy for the Buffalo Sabres because they weren't prepared and I don't know how much of that was to do with the fact that they played yesterday, but not all of it was. No, not at all. Like this was there were fundamental mistakes that we made out there. This wasn't just a, you know, they were a little slow to get into certain pucks. They were no, th- these were mental mistakes. And yes, you know, your mind gets a little scrambled when you're sick, but again, th- like these are professional athletes. They're getting paid to do this. You can't make these excuses. It's just not possible. Speaking of games in consecutive days, yep. Igor Korshkov was playing for the third straight day because he was called up after playing Friday night and I believe Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, his agent broke the news last night, made he us also, really happy. He broke the debut news too. He Did broke you see the that? debut news and the call-up news. And I love how he hyphenates his name to hockey so it looks like his name is Dan Milstein Hockey. That's just something I like. Maybe he, maybe it is. Maybe he legally changed it. You maybe don't know. he did. That's, that'd be pretty, put that on the business card. I will. Um, but yeah, it didn't really seem to affect him. Now we're going back into other physiological elements, which is adrenaline. Yeah. Is it the fact that he just was able to carry some adrenaline into his third game in three nights? Or was he just not someone that was, you know, as affected by potentially fatigue or just, you know, had that extra effort, that umph to his game that others lacked? Uh, again, we're just sort of grasping at straws here just because we don't know exactly how all this affects them. But it didn't affect Korshkov that much because he played pretty well and he scored his first NHL goal tonight. Do we need to bring a doctor in here to kind of break this down? Like this, this is, goes to your point where we're discussing the physiological aspects of these games when it's when it was just a bad hockey game that was played. Um, I think Korshkov, 
I think there was some adrenaline to the fact that it was an NHL debut. Like it, like to to a lot of these guys, although it's in the middle of a playoff race, this was okay. It's Buffalo. It's on the road. Second half back to back. It's February. It's a little you know going through the motions. So for him, it's like it's time to shine. So I get it. He did play pretty well, but at the same time, he's also not playing twenty minutes a night. Like no. it's. It's different. Um, it's easy to look at that goal and be like, yeah, he played pretty well. But I, he didn't do anything noticeably bad. It yes. looked like he had some jump and he scored a goal, which was way better than anyone else, uh, probably on the entire team. Yeah. No, he didn't do anything that was that you could make into a blooper reel. So like that. And that's kind of the, the gradient we have to judge on here. But uh, no, it, he, he played he played OK. Marchman, on the other hand, who Mason Marchman was called up as well and, and got back in the lineup. He actually got a promotion in the game, which was interesting. Yeah, he got bumped out of the second line. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be because he's also like I, I know that everyone considers him a prospect and he is and prospects are you know you have to kind of see you know it, it's a very sort of like subjective thing to apply the age card to them on, on when they're done being a prospect but Marshman's 24 he's he's getting up there and he did not look like an NHL player tonight I don't know what's going on here and and the thing too is that they have very decent players in the Marlies they have very decent players who can come up and potentially perform at an NHL caliber level. I mean, over Marchment, they have guys like Nick Patan. We've all we've mm-hmm. all forgot about him. He's just down there. Um, they have um, what's his name uh, Kenny Agostino, right. who is a great bottom six player in New Jersey at the end of last year, who's just in the AHL torching it up right now. They have these options, and I'm not sure if bringing Mason Marchment up to essentially just fill a sweater is the best uh, best idea for it right now. Well, it's possible that we see one of those guys because Sheldon Keefe spoke after this game obviously uh and he was not happy obviously uh he said it was an embarrassment uh and he also pointed to the fact that they're really missing something on those bottom two lines yeah he's really worried about the depth both at the forward uh at forward and at defense uh and he's looking for a combination right now and that's pretty clear when you bring up two guys immediately insert them to the lineup uh on the second night of a back-to-back when he didn't play t- terribly well, they both played two games already this weekend. So he's trying to find something. And I wonder if he's searching too too hard for this. Is he getting a little too in the weeds? Like, yeah. it, uh, we're not... There's been no consistency since, I guess, the first two games coming out of the All-Star break. He's just been mixing it up and mixing it up and mixing it up yeah. and trying to find something. And nothing is really working beyond... I mean, obviously, the top line with Matthews has been working. Uh, I think he's found a pretty good combination, I guess, with William Nylander and John Tavares, even though they haven't really, you know, struck a chord since they've been reunited and Hyman was moved back up to that top line. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's clearly an element missing at the depth position. He acknowledged that, uh, you know, verbally tonight. I think he's been acknowledging that just for a while with his moves uh, over the last week. Uh, So what are we looking at here? Should he just sort of calm down or should he continue to just search for this by continuing to throw the blender out there i like i i like that he's looking for new things i mean the biggest one of the biggest criticisms that everyone kind of launched babcock's way was that he just was gonna you know we're gonna stick with it and grind it out when there were clear uh problems going on but at the same time like i think you're kind of right he's he is seeming to mix and match a little bit more he's becoming uh he's becoming sort of mad scientist in a way uh with his lines where Maybe some stability on these units would be great. He seems, although he gave you know the Matthews Marner Nylander line an extra game, and it didn't, it didn't, it ultimately didn't work. I'm a little more. I'm. I feel like you should give them maybe more than two games. Like, and not just that line specifically, but other lines. It does seem like he is really just grasping. And to, and by putting by putting uh, Korshkov and Marchman in the lineup tonight, 
that was a very clear message to guys like Dmitry Temeshov and, and Frederick Gauthier. Oh, because not only are are you getting replaced, but you're getting replaced by guys who have already played the last two nights. There's, he's saying that like these two guys who are dog tired, they played two games, the, the latter of which went to OT, mm-hmm. who play, went to an extra period, are a better opportunity or a better option tonight to win this game than you are. That's that's a damning indictment right there. Like that and and like justifiably so. Both of those players have not been good. The 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 fourth line us outside of I think I I've I think Clifford's been fine and and you know he's he's doing kind of what his his Kyle Clifford thing he's only making 800 grand so it's not not But a big even deal. then moving up to the third and fourth line like moving up and down like he should be always fourth He should line. always be fourth. When yeah. he's up in the third line I think he's doing this service to the third line. But to your point earlier, like Mason Margement clearly isn't the savior here. No, not at so all. So I guess it might be something you're trying to show Freddie Gochi and Dimitro Timoshov that there are other options here. And if we decide that that option is better, you might be gone because I don't believe they have options to go down or they'd have to go through waivers, obviously. Yeah. So like, I think that's part of it. But there's there are other little things or more simpler ideas, I believe. Like when's the last time we saw Alexander Kerfoot at center? I like start of the year. Pierre Engvall has been sort of had his role diminished when he's one of the guys that are, you know, routinely doing yeah. the job for him. You always so let's Pierre sort Engvall. of revert back to maybe what was initially planned, which mm-hmm. was, you know, Alexander Kerfoot should probably be the third line center for this team. That was the plan all along. He's not doing anything. On he's the not wing. doing it on the wing. So let's try and find uh, a combination that works for him rather than a combination that might be coming from the Martleys. It that probably makes sense. I mean, you you should probably use what you have at the NHL level, opposed to dipping into I get like the AHL pool as much as you can. Um, and also, the Marlies haven't been good. Like they the Marlies are are severely struggling. They they had a miraculous comeback on Saturday, but this is not the vaunted you know like world beating Marlies where any where you you're having a steady stream of Andreas Janssens and Trevor Moores and Casper Kapanen's coming up and you can insert them in their in their demonstrable upgrades like this is this is a team that is struggling and a lot of these guys are filled a lot of these uh, they're they're all guys who are you know mid 20s now who are kind of quadruple A kind of players like this is not there are not a lot of ready made prospects at your disposal and we're we're talking now about guys like Kenny Agostino or Pontus Aberg or, you know, Cali Costilla, guys like that, where it's it's different than, you know, the prospects coming up. So I don't even know if there's if there's a lot of, like, enticing options down there outside of maybe an Agostino, and none of them are going to be the savior. You really do have to make kind of make it work. But at the same time, the options that are up at the NHL level, like, I don't know how much how much of a difference we can get in. We can use this kind of as the segue to get into it. Um, I don't know how much of a difference uh, Kerfoot's going to make down the middle than he is on the wing, because other aside from maybe two good games recently... He's he has been invisible. He's been like we were talking about this during the game. Look, I I I don't at the time it made sense, but this trade for Nazem Kadri is looking horrific, and uh, Alexander Kerfoot is is providing almost nothing of value right now. And I don't have his advanced numbers in front of me, so I'm sure you know Ian Tullock will hit me over the head with a graph after this. <laughs> but what is he doing? What what positive value can you look at Alexander Kerfoot on a nightly basis? And by the way, if you look at him, you have to really pay attention to find him because he's not very visible out there and say, this guy is helping us win this game. I don't know. I don't see it. The best we're getting from Alexander Kerfoot right now is just blending in. And so you if don't he's, want that. If he's blending into the game and at least, you know, not being a deterrent or at least, you know, getting some pos- extra possessions for John Tavares and William Nylander or whatever, that's sort of been the highest note for him of late you can get a guy making 700 grand to do that and that is the biggest problem that's why i don't think 
I don't think that he has a future here beyond this season because it seems like there has to be a move involving, you know, a guy from that area. And he is simply not making or earning the $3.5 million that he is making. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if he's ever been at the point where it's like, oh yeah, we see it. Like that's, that's a guy worth 3.5 and he's going to help us win games. I don't think we've seen that all season long and it's becoming more and more apparent now that he isn't worth the money. And as you mentioned, that trade was probably not worth doing. But at, at the time it made sense. At the time, it looked like a win for the Leafs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a little, can, yeah. I had a little uh, worry today. I'm like, what did I initially say about this trade? Because I hate it now, and I don't want to. Did contradict you go look myself? Back? I did not look back. But like, what I didn't consider at the time, because I'm, I thought, wow, rich get richer here. Yeah. Like they got Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry, two guys who can put up 65 points for the blue line. How could this really go wrong? But then I didn't consider the redundancy of only one of them can play on the first power play. Mm-hmm. So does that take a little bit of the sting out of Morgan Riley's game? I think the injury was has more to do to that, that, yep. he, that he has been suffering he's through all season. He's just never been healthy this season. But again, you take a little bit from Morgan Riley when he's no longer a factor on the power play. And then Tyson Berry, does he gel with the person or the defense partner that you believe he's best suited for? At the start of the year, that was Jake Muzzin, and it never worked with him and Jake Muzzin. And now he's playing with Travis Dermott, who's having a boatload of struggles himself. And together, they don't seem like a working pairing. So I think in theory, you're right. It made sense. Tyson Berry could put this team over the top from an offensive standpoint. It didn't make sense at the time when you consider the fact that Mike Babcock never wanted to play the way that that uh, Kyle Dubas wanted to play. Yep. But now that they have the guy who wants to play the same way that Kyle Dubas it's, wants it's to play, it's still not working. Yep. And I and I would have thought more if it was Sheldon Keefe. Oh yeah, like this is this makes perfect sense. Uh, but now I'm having all the reservations about it because it just doesn't work, right? And I think you can tell that Keefe is starting to realize that too. I mean, you know, his minutes haven't necessarily gone down, but he is he's sheltering Barry. You know, he's putting out uh, in, in the final minutes of the game. You're never going to put him out. But even with the diminished sort of lineup that you have, he's putting out Dermot. He's putting out. Sandin, he's putting out rookies over a guy like Tyson Berry to close out games, to close out periods. It's like it, there's, it's. I think the best part of that trade is that Tyson Berry only had one year left on his contract. Yeah, I mean, even the best case scenario, Tyson Berry had a great year, right? Yeah. Morgan Riley never got hurt. The Leafs finished second in the division. Maybe they went around. They're not going to retain Tyson Berry anyway. So it yeah. all comes back to Alexander Kerfoot. And he is not the player Nazem Kadri is, not even close. And you and the difference between one million dollars, like it, that, just doesn't change it from a value perspective at all. Yeah, because he just doesn't do any of the things that Nazem Kadri could provide. And obviously, there's the there's the stuff that happened again against Boston and the suspension. And that's a you and can't that playing dis- into you can't it. discount that though. But when you just look at what the player would have done in a game in February, like this, yeah. In Buffalo, it's hard to not. It's gonna when you look back next year if Tyson or if Alexander Kerfoot is still on the roster. Uh, I just don't think anyone's gonna be feeling good about that trade. So you're officially off the Kerfoot train then. I mean, I haven't seen anything in months that would really draw me back in. So does he like? Okay, so if you're off this, let's say you're you're a GM, you're the GM of the Leafs, you're Kyle Dubas, you're like I'm done with I'm done with Alexander Kerfoot. What do you do? Does he have value? Can you trade him now with Andreas Janssen out? What do you do? I mean, you're sort of waving the white flag on the season, I guess, a little bit in theory. I'm not sure on that the it, it would affect them that much. Well, if you're, if you're, listen, they're they're already acknowledged that they're dealing with a depth shortage. They yeah. don't have enough guys right now. They they don't. They might have not have Janssen when the playoffs start. 
if they are in fact there. Ely Mikheyev is a question mark as well. They're running out of sort of middle six forwards that can actually do the job for them, at least in that third line spot. So if you do trade him for a future, I mean, that sort of signals your intentions. If you trade him for a defenseman, a right shot defenseman, that's sort of that bottom pairing rental. I mean, that's just moving around assets and sort of changing one, or like misplacing one problem for another. But does that make the extent. team better though? I think it would make the team better because I think there's guys that are underutilized at the bottom of the roster. I think Pierre Engvall on that line with Nylander and Tavares be would be more of an impact player than Kerfoot would be. But yeah. then that leaves you with what at the bottom two lines? I mean, a little bit thin, right? Uh, and if they believe they have, they're all, and they, they, have they already are thin, and too. they already are thin. So if you did have Janssen still, it'd be much far easier to make that deal. Yeah. But if you're now trading, if you're now trading Kerfoot, it it just depends on what you're getting back, obviously. But I don't think you're like up. You're not loading up if you're trading him. Yeah. Well, I can. It, it again. It depends on who you get, but unless you're packaging another pick. Yeah. I. You know what? I'm looking at Kerfoot, and I'm looking at him in the sense that. I don't think I think that at least smart GMs look at the big picture opposed to the most recent results. And although they're trying to get the most value out, at the same time, you're you're not the way that you're pitching Alexander Kerfoot in a trade is not look at this guy. He's got like eight points this year or something. However many he's got, he's on pace for you know well below his career totals. You're pitching this guy who's like prior to this year, he had two forty plus point years. As a rookie, he's only 25. He's not a prospect anymore by any means, but he's 25 years old, and he has term on his contract at a, at a reasonable dollar value, and the cap's only going to go up. So, I think that there's I think there's some value to to sort of ex- extract out of there if you need to. I mean, heck, teams were calling about Cody Cece. Like, look at that. That that's that should tell you if, if Cody if the Leafs traded Cody Cece this year, it'd be bigger than it would be a bigger example of if he got traded, that anyone could get traded than the Gretzky trade because Cody Cece was having a terrible year. But I think there is some sort of value that you can really extract from that. I mean, he's if you if you paint him as a winger, if you I think if we start seeing Alexander Kerfoot down the middle, they might be showcasing him because it when, if you if you then kind of pitch him as a center with who ha, who's a four, as a forty point center with term who's only 25, then that's really looking a lot better than a 40 than, you know, a 40 point winger with term who's 25. There's just some difference there. It, it's, 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 it's a moral quagmire. Like it, it's, it sucks. This is not a situation that they should be in. This is not a situation they wanted to be in, but I think Kyle Dubas is pretty good at making the best out of a lot of kind of tough hands. Like he's allowed, he's, he's good at sort of pulling some sort of silver lining out of some crap. I mean, he had, he was faced with a Nikita Zaitsev, you know, five years left, and he ended up kind of getting out of that without retaining salary and, and somehow sort of extracting some value from that. I think you can package Kerfoot somewhere. Um, I just don't know where it is. And But at the same... Like, I don't think that that's punting on the season. It It's just kind of redistributing, you know, your assets in a way that can kind of make the, the, the roster more balanced. Yeah, I mean, it depends what it is. But if it is, like, let's say it's Kerfoot for Dylan DeMello. Like so, it's the one. I would is like it, that. Is it one year left for Demelo? Yeah, he's deal? a UFA at the end. Of so the if he's a U- UFA, you are going for a rental. You're sort of punting an asset for this season. So I guess it is. It is the opposite. But we've talked about sense. how much they they're a win now team. They need to win now. It is, but then what happens in your middle six, right? I just, I mean, you posed the question perfectly correct. With can they do it with Janssen? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think ultimately, if they had all three of those guys being Janssen, Kapanen, and Kerfoot, able and in the lineup, I guess it would help also if McKay McKay was there. 
um, that they that you could easily deal from that position of strength. But I don't think it's necessarily a position of strength anymore. And the value is down, I think, on Kerfoot. Although I think you would be able to. I, th- I don't think you would have trouble finding a suitor. It's just that maybe the returns not quite as good anymore. At the same time, though, like if you. Although it looks bad on paper that you turn, you know, Nazem Kadri essentially into whoever this is going to be, but at the same time, in an immediate context, if you are, if you realize you're going to be incapable of just uh, of being able to rehabilitate this asset, you need to be able to get as much from it as possible. And I think if if you were to do, and it's not going to be this, but if you were to do even a you know, Alexander Kerfoot for Dylan DeMello one for one. Like, let's just say it's one for one. It's not going to be that way, but let's live in that little fancy world for a second. I think that that's a decent sort of outcome of this. You know, like it's it's not good. No, no, no. It's not good. It's a bad outcome. But in the in the parameters of reality right now, I think it's as good as you could possibly make it. That would be Nazem Kadri for a full year rental of Tyson Berry and a six week rental of Dylan DeMello. Hey, maybe they resign him. That's true. And hey, maybe they go on a decent postseason run with both of them Look, that's that's possible but Stanley cup heals uh, a lot of wounds it, yeah uh, of course but this is i just there's no escaping the fact that you're going to be tracking this trade and it's not going to end up in the most positive light even when you look at it okay it, we just opened up some cap space well you you gave away a player that was worth more than the money he was making yeah and you know that's just kind of the, that's the hand that they have right now. If they if they're able to sort of cash out and get some sort of value from it, that'll be we can we can debate the the merits of that trade another day. If they're able to just sort of rehab like reclaim some standing from this transaction, then good for them. They can move on. It'll be great. There were some tenuous moments in the first period. Maybe it was looking like that trade wasn't all that far fetched because. We saw Rasmus Sandin go down to the tunnel and miss a large portion of the game, and Jake Muzzin took a shot off the face and just can, sprung back up to his feet immediately. Can you imagine if both of those guys left the game? Even one, though. If they lose another defenseman... What happens? I don't know. You have to make a trade if that happens. I suppose they do. You can't go back to Martin Mergen. No, you can't. You just can't. Like <laughs> I, what? I just... That's, I, I, that's what he's looking at, right? Like He's looking at his team after this. We're We're... We're not holding up to this test, and we are one more injury on this back end away from having to put Marty Marincin out there in big minutes. Or like Timu Kivahame. Yeah. I mean, it's that's, that's again, like, and this is happening at sort of the worst time in terms of, like, you know, the prospects of something great happening, right? You think, okay, they, they, they're playing really well up to the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and they get that second vote of confidence after the Campbell acquisition from their general manager, and they just, you know full board full bore straight for the playoffs and they might be might be able to have a run but now they're spinning their tires they're limping they're, along. they're sort of limping into this this last portion of or last week until we get to the trade deadline like it's just it just feels like it's hurting their chances of something special happening i think that they're like i again they're going to make the playoffs i think that i think that that's I, although Florida is, is not playing really well, they could go back. I think I'm still the believer that this, the Leafs are going to be, be at least be in the playoffs this season. Um, it really depends on getting guys back. I think they're getting they're going to get these guys back who they're missing right as the playoffs are beginning. Like even like the most optimistic timeline for Ilya Mikheyev is that he comes back like right like the night of Game One. Like he's he's given the the clean bill of health. Morgan Riley he's getting reevaluated in the next week. It'll be he he'll come back right as the playoffs are, are are getting going, and there are a lot of question marks with that because it, let's say that in in the most optimistic possible way you get both of those guys back in your lineup 
game one against Boston in TD Garden because we all know that's where it's going to be. Then you have two guys who haven't played in months and months and months, and you're now going against in a playoff series against an opponent, and who knows what's happened at the deadline. There's just a there's just a lot of moving pieces here. But I think that I think that even 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 the, the the risk of these guys got getting hurt because now they've picked up some more bumps and bruises. Now it just adds to sort of the weight that they're carrying. I think this makes a trade even more vital. Like they like you cannot go into this trade deadline and not add some and add something to your not even just your roster to your blue line. You cannot do that. It's if Kyle Dubas exits the trade deadline this year, and I don't care what is available out there. Dylan DeMello is available out there. You do whatever you can get, you whatever you can do outside of trading like a first round pick to get him because you need to upgrade in this area and you cannot go. I don't care about health. You cannot go into a, f- a first round playoff series with guys just coming back from injuries with the way this team is playing with the trajectory they're on against the Bruins in their current form and think you're going to win that playoff series. You need to add something at the deadline. And I think that I think that even the threat of these guys getting hurt in this game, although thankfully they weren't just kind of reinforces that fact. You are unafraid of the continued spending of picks and prospects. I don't care, man. They're a win-now team. They're a win-now team. Are we going to, like, great. The the second-round pick that they give up in the Jack Campbell trade might turn into a decent middle six guy in three years. What are the Leafs going to be in three years? Could be Nick Robertson. Well, great. Then it'll be (laughs) Nick Robertson. Like, you know, it's... we can say that for any pick. You know what? They traded a seventh round pick. That could be Pierre Engvall. It could be. That could be Andreas. Well, Johnson. they're gonna have to get some Pierre Engvalls because I think they only have seventh round picks in this in this draft <laughs> coming up. They got four, I think, which is Look, insane. They hit on they hit on to these two guys, and they're just gonna ride that luck out until eventually uh, it runs out. But it's like if they're a win now team, we've talked about them being a win now team. We've definitively said they are a win now team. You need to start. They've already made win now moves with Jack Campbell, Kyle Clifford, and it's worked. And as long as you're not completely cap-strapping yourself, they have decent prospects coming up. They have guys who can who can make it work. We've seen what Rasmus and Timothy Lilligren are giving you. And if you're if you're looking for you know draft picks to replace guys on the back end, you already have a right hand shot or a right shot defenseman and a left shot defenseman signed for term who are young who are only going to get better in those in those spots. You have a guy like Nick Robertson who you picked in the second second round who should be like a top ten pick this year. You have things, and you you have sort of assets and, and leeway here. Spend as uh, whatever is reasonable to improve your team now. This is probably a fleeting feeling on my part, but part of me wants them just to say to Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, you know what? You guys got all the money? Go beat Boston. We did a lot for you guys to get to this point. We brought in a lot of talent. We brought in Tyson Berry. We rig-jigged the roster. We brought in Jack Campbell. We, we're going to re-sign Jake Muzzin. We've done a heck of a lot to inject this t- this team with talent. Jason Spezza on 700K. No excuses. Go beat them with what you have. Damn it. That's that's a really good point. That Is we, it? Yes. Like, we, I, I kind of feel like my uncle's saying it, but that's, no, but embrace that's your how I feel right, right now. now. It's what I feel like right yeah, now. And you know what? Like That's how you should feel right now. Think about, the, think about what they've done to insulate that core. They brought in Jake Muzzin, John freaking Tavares... Jack Campbell, Kyle Clifford, Tyson Berry, Alexander Kerfoot. 
They've re they brought up a bunch of prospects to surround them. They've changed the coach to the coach who they who they know that they want to play for. They're playing a style who they want to play for. The, yeah. the, those stars said we're not getting played enough, so now they're getting played a lot more. What more do they need to do? Go out and prove that it was worth it. We fired a forty million dollar head coach to appease you guys. Go do it. Go prove. Go make us. Go make us realize that that was the right thing to do. And now you want Dylan Demello. <laughs> That's what's going to be the difference, <laughs> Dylan DeMello? That's the hill so. we're going to die on. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the refereeing a little bit before we move to Anderson? Yes. Let's do that. I would Yeah, I'm going to this is another uncle take, I think. I'm <laughs> fully embracing it. You know but what? like we're going to embrace her and uncle here. I felt like tonight that the officials were trying to capture the essence of the game rather than actually look at what was happening. It's yeah. like, okay, Buffalo is just hammering these guys right now and here's this little you know thing that doesn't really affect what's going on but we you know it's a penalty but we're just not going to call it because it feels like buffalo deserves these breaks right now did it feel like that a little bit to you absolutely you we were talking about that while watching the game where it was just like it, the there was okay there was the, the most egregious one was the captain and shorthanded breakaway that should have been a hundred percent that was comical that it wasn't called but you could tell that buffalo Right at that moment, it was a crescendo of Buffalo just caving the Leafs in. They were on them. They were in the middle of the power play. They were the shots were like they were like thirty to twelve at that point. It was terrible. It was a bloodbath. And then Kapanen gets kind of held up in the neutral zone on on a on a breakaway. And I think the rest of that point were like this team doesn't deserve a. Power yeah, you don't play deserve right this. It should not be evened up. But like at the same time. And you know what? Like a part, the uncle of me as well was like, "You're right. The boys don't deserve a power play. Yeah. <laughs> play hard, Dougie. Played hard. Why aren't yeah. you playing hard?" At the same time, though, your job is to call infractions as they come. Your job is not to tell is not to tell the story of the game. It's to it's it's when someone breaks a rule, you you enforce that. You call them on the rule, and you're not allowed to hold up a guy there. Like it's this league is absurd sometimes with with the makeup calls, and it's like playing a mind game. And if you can if you can kind of project the sequence of penalties that are going to come in a game where like, and you can even tell the Leafs committed a too many men on the ice yeah. penalty that was as well comically apparent. Yeah, It wasn't only buff. It was only the Leafs yeah. that got hurt by this. Clearly that it was like, Oh, they don't, but they, we shouldn't hurt them right now. They're down well, five, two. We already, they don't need to be down again. Yeah. And, and that was like, that was worse. I, I think in terms of being more apparent, that was even worse than the holdup because yeah. the guy went over the boards, touched the puck. And it was like, it's like when you get like a kid gets caught with his hand in like the cookie jar and then he just shoves all the cookies in his mouth and is like, I'm not there are no cookies here. What are you talking about? Like it's the guy then then I think it was Marner who just like realized that he had touched the puck and then just leapt back over the boards and he had his like legs kind of hanging over. It was it was a bad scene. But if we're gonna talk about excuses again, that's not an excuse. It's no, it's just definitely not. not. It's definitely not. Play, but it, play you're, better. You're right though, with just with makeup calls alone where you know it's gonna come. They do, the officials do dictate what's going, like they decide how they want this to play out mm -hmm. in a certain uh, respect. And it's because they're covering up for a mistake. And that's fine. But it's, it's so often, almost once a game, when there's a bad call, whenever there's a bad call, mm -hmm. they usually atone for it by just handing a power play the other way, which is clearly not going shift by shift or play by play. It is going by what someone or some, which team deserves that in at a certain time which is probably not the way uh it should happen and it feels like that's how it went down tonight absolutely i guess to, to close things anderson out, is their last topic here yes yeah we were i was gonna go i was gonna say what are some positives to take away from this but you know what no i'm not in the mood to talk about that let's talk <laughs> about anderson is the goal uh, we, we got to touch on it a bit right? okay fine okay well, fine not, not goaltending controversy right is the goaltending controversy dead it never even started did it though 
Okay. Uh, well, we, we were the first to bring up just we, because we're doing this directly after games yep. and we beat everyone to it. That's the benefit of doing it when we do it. Um, but, you know, we were the first to bring it up, I guess. I don't really subscribe to the fact that there's a goaltending controversy. I think the Maple Leafs actually did the right thing with the way they scheduled their goaltenders. They put their lesser, I guess, goaltender against How dare the you? lesser team in the Ottawa Senators. That worked out. They put their better goaltender in front of a taxed lineup in front of him and he held them in for a while in this game he was really good in the first period uh and he kept them in until they completely fell apart around him after they had tied the game uh i don't you know five goals on 35 shots is not good in any league or any situation um but i i don't think anderson was at all at fault tonight did he look back though and i agree with you i don't think this is on him at all i think he played very well and, and there was a point in the game where we were like he's back but at the end of the game there were, there, I mean, there was that sequence of the three goals in a minute in, a thir- in 31, and although they were, they were, like I said, they're accomplices to all these crimes, and Anderson was was one of those accomplices, you know, on at least a couple of them. Did he look back? Was this the Freddie of old? Because I don't know. There were moments in the first where he looked like Freddie of old. Yes. I think we commented on it too. It was like, oh, he's he's back. Like Ooh. that was a big, that was a big save. That you know, he just steps up in a moment where. You know, we're not going to bring, I'm going to bring him up again. We almost went through an episode with saying, without saying Michael Hutchinson, there but is. clearly that goes in on Michael Hutchinson. Uh, no, but I think he looked, I think he looked really sharp early. I thought there was a lot of stress on his, on his game just because the Leafs were playing so poorly. Uh, and then, you know, he wasn't there again to make that big save when they needed it most. Maybe, maybe it was that Jack Eichel moment. Maybe that big save came way earlier in the game and we're just not giving him credit for that one because, you know, it doesn't apply to this conversation. Um, but again, he just, he didn't get it, the job done and he remains without a win in February, meaning Jack Campbell's the only guy that's won a game for the Leafs this month. That is insane. I know uh, that Fred- he's only got three starts. No, but I know that Freddie's been out, but like this, we're, we're, it's February 17th at this point or 16th, I guess. And it's not past midnight yet, but and the fact that Jack Campbell is the only Leafs goaltender who has won a game and three goaltenders have played, and he's only and he's only played three starts too. That's that's like that's that's crazy. That's an indictment of this. It's it's this is not being a good. It is the worst case scenario for people who are worried about that third round pick becoming a second round pick. And again, it doesn't like what's the (laughs) difference, man? Like it's it's one round. It cool. Nick Robertson. That's the difference. Yeah, but okay, great. Okay, let's let's end on some positive because it's right. been pretty dreary. Yes. Do you have any? Uh, Hyman still kicks ass. <laughs> he does. Zach Hyman. I mean, he made a pretty bad mistake on the fifth goal, but... But he scored, so he he's had that, even. Yeah, he broke I mean, even. his numbers are ridiculous. I think he's, he's, point he's per game. well over point per game. He's scoring every other game on average, looking at the entire season, almost. I mean, he's just been... He's been one of the real bright spots of this season so far. And again, he tore his ACL like six, or not six months ago. He tore his ACL like eight months ago, and he's better than he was before that. It's An remarkable. injury a little bit more serious than a mild strain of the Achilles. You know, but I, I'm going to complain just like it, like just like he would have. Is really the second positive of this that they just escaped without major injuries? That's, I think, the best we can do. <laughs> like, the fact, okay, like, they, they were so bad that... that they could have lost Muzzin and Sandin, and they didn't. That's positive, right? Yeah, that's positive. You know what's not positive? It's not good, but it's positive. A home-and-home home with one of the best teams in the league, the Pittsburgh Penguins, is what's up next for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. One day arrest, at least. <laughs> we don't know who's going to be a net. We could see both goaltenders against Pittsburgh. It's possible, I guess. Then we'd probably have a goaltending controversy. 
if I think, yeah, if Anderson drops a game against Pittsburgh and then Campbell plays the next one and puts on a show and wins, then when I finally, when I ask you this question for the, like the fifth straight show, you might finally give me the time of day. Wow. That'd be four wins from Campbell and just two more between the time that the Maple Leafs lose their neck next Nick Robertson. And we're just flittering away Nick Robertson, apparently, because every second round pick turns into Nick Robertson. So they're in Pittsburgh first, then they're going to host the Penguins uh, Thursday, I believe. So Mm -hmm. we're going to be back Tuesday. Uh, Hopefully it'll be a little bit more positive. Even if they lose, it has to be a little bit more positive. We'll we'll make sure it is. Because we are talking, we talked about the worst game of the season, perhaps, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think we're done doing that. Yeah, it's all all uphill from here. Great way to end the podcast. I just did exactly what the Leafs do every night and botched it right at the end. You should have just went with your signature sign-off. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.